Welcome to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green, where you'll discover actionable strategies to help your student to reach their academic goals, to excel at standardized testing, and to plan for the college admissions process painlessly. And now, here's your host, Dr. Stephen Green. Yes, the excitement builds. Welcome everyone. Education Live. I got a special guest today in the studio. Sarah Morphew. I hope I'm saying that right. And uh, Sarah, welcome. Great to have you. Steve Green here from Make the Grade. And a couple real big things happened in the education world. I'm going to get into them a little bit later and tonight. Big announcement from the ETS. Big announcement from the uh, test prep company dropping the essay on the SAT. Can you believe it? They've been talking about it for a while, and frankly, this is a big surprise to me because I don't think most colleges really care about it in terms of admission, but it's still a big announcement. They come public with it. Won't affect the next couple of tests, but it'll go into effect in the fall. Also, dropping the subject tests, another big stressor. You can cross off your list. And talking about stresses to cross off your list. My guest today, Sarah, is a specialist in this inner peace, finding self-love, self-acceptance, compassion. Hang on, I'm trying to find my left my radio on. I apologize here. I'll go turn it off in a second. Anyway, so my guest, Sarah Morphew, she's a writer, a photographer, and an inner peace guide. Just saying it sounds nice. Certified mindfulness and meditation instructor. Provides simple research-based techniques that have been shown to help us focus attention, reduce stress and anxiety, avoid burnout and overwhelm, experience more feelings of calmness and joy, improve memory, sleep, and overall well-being. Whoa, I think a lot of people can use that uh, in this day and age and, and, and so on and so on. Um, Sarah teaches tools for inner peace, self-love, self-acceptance, self-compassion, Help seekers find true peace in the present moment. You can stop chasing happiness and love yourself exactly as you are. So a lot of peace, acceptance. Sarah, tell us what you do. Tell, tell it in your own words. That's me reading an introduction. But how would you describe what you do? Well, I think as far as peace is concerned and inner peace, um, what tends to happen is we have so much going on um, in our lives in the world. And we tend to say, you know, well, if once this happens, then I can have happiness or once this happens, the stress is gone, then I can relax. But what we're doing is we're just um, pushing it off and we're giving our power and our control to an outside circumstance. And I think we have had that experience before where we're thinking, well, once this happens and everything will be great, but once that happens, it doesn't really change anything about us or who we are. Um, and maybe that happiness or that, um, joy is fleeting maybe we're either it doesn't give us what we hoped it would or it does but it's momentary and then there's always something more so the point is that we can be responsible for our feelings and we can be responsible for our state of being that doesn't mean that things in the world aren't going to affect us but it means that we can train ourselves to focus our attention on the present moment to come back to this state of a more peaceful state. And then the more we practice that and the more we do it, it becomes more natural. And then things that pull us out of that state, it's easier for us to get back into that state. And we're not giving that power um, to something externally. We are taking that responsibility for ourselves. 
So if I can interpret what you said just a little bit, it comes down to a personal choice, taking sort of control of your situation. Now, keep in mind, a lot of people that listen to this, a lot of people in my uh, audience are often uh, parents. They've got uh, kids. Well, obviously, if they're parents, they have kids. They got kids in school, which is stressful. They got a lot going on. They're juggling 100,000 things. Um, and I think it's sometimes important just to stop and take a breath, right? But I think you're going beyond that, right? You're taking it to another level. Um, is there a, a typical, like kind of one size fits all therapy? I don't know, maybe that's not the best choice of words, but uh, how, how, what would you do with somebody who came to you and said, I need help, pull my hair out, I'm, I'm stressed, my blood pressure's up, what do I do? Okay. Yeah, obviously everybody's different and everybody has their own thing going on in their life that, you know, people might need vitamins, people might need exercise, people might need, you know, doctor therapy. There's so many things that people can't need. So I don't think it's always a one step fits all, but I do think there are techniques that are really easy and simple that everybody can use. Do you want me to just like do something really simple for a couple seconds right now to get us into a, like a present moment? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, let, let's, let's do it. I'm ready. I'm okay. ready. So straighten your spine. First of all, just straightening our, straightening our spine. And we can keep our shoulders relaxed. We can keep our face relaxed. But just straightening our spine um, can help us come to a more uh, alert state. So even just doing that can kind of help us focus more. We can stay seated or standing for longer periods of time. We can remain more more comfortable. So mm. just that is really simple. Then if we... I'll tell you, it really does feel, because you get like so, you know, sort of yeah. tight. Actually, it does feel. I'm going to try to stay straight here. Yeah. Ahead, you, you can actually breathe a lot more deeply as well. Like your lungs are open, so you can take fuller breaths. So you're actually putting more oxygen into your brain and into your body as well mm -hmm. when you're straightening up. So that's so easy, right? Um, so now I'm going to have you just kind of notice where you're at. Just notice the room you're in. You can notice your hands, what they're touching. You can notice the feeling of your clothes against your skin. And you start to just kind of become, you kind of get out of your head a little bit and come back to the moment, come back to where you're at right now. And even just trying to focus our full awareness on one full and complete breath. So just right now, I'll have you just comfortably take a breath, hold it in a second and just fully release it and try to put your full awareness onto your breath. So go ahead. And so do you even notice a little slight difference right right there from what we just did? I got to tell you, and I, I don't mean to sound, um, I don't know what word to use, patronizing, but it really does make a difference. Just be, just kind of slow, even for, what, 40 seconds? Yeah. Kind of just, everything kind of just slows a little bit, and you're, it's it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it okay, is. So the trouble is, if we, we I, look, I think everybody kind of knows we should be doing this, right? Everybody has some awareness of I'm stressed, and most people turn to the easy fixes. I'll call it, you know drinking, and you know maybe it's worse, so to speak. Um, you know, is there a reason you think why people don't just take better care of themselves? I mean, is it just easier to do something that's a fit in you know, our society? Everybody wants like a pill to fix everything. I don't want to generalize, but I th which I think I am. But uh, it, it, these are not complicated techniques. Right? I'm sure you go deeper with people, and we can get into that, but. Uh, is there a reason why you think people just don't invest the time in themselves to do this more? So I think a big part of it is we're, we're habit forming creatures. Like we do a lot of things on mm -hmm. kind of autopilot. So 
obviously we get up in the morning, we brush our teeth, we go through the same things we do. Sometimes, you know, if we're commuting to work, we drive to work and we can kind of get to work and, and say like, I don't even really fully remember how I got here. Like, I know I obviously drove, I was obviously safe, but I don't really have that really full, I wasn't really fully present during this routine. So we do these things every day. So it becomes automatic. We don't really have to think about it. And so then what happens is there are a lot of areas in our life where we're kind of going on autopilot. So things are just kind of going, just going with normal. And when we get to the point where we realize we want to make a change, it can be really hard to change those habits. Right. So mm-hmm. we're trying to make changes. It's difficult. So I think we just have to be patient with that. Um, and then there are different things we can do. Um, we have to, I, so the first step is awareness. So that's what a lot of times mindfulness does is it um, helps us become more aware of what's going on. So it brings us back into the state, a present moment where we're aware as opposed to just on autopilot, autopilot, just having all these thoughts all the time. And then when we can get to that state of awareness and train our brain to come back to that state of awareness over and over and over again um, through meditation, um, when we're not being distracted, for example, then in our regular lives, we'll start to come back to that state as well. And from that place of awareness, that is when we can then start making conscious choices. So for example, somebody, you know, we're really close to triggers us, you know, we, and, and we get defensive and we want to reply and we, we get it all of a sudden we're in a big argument, you know, with or whoever, right? So now when the awareness comes in, we can maybe say like real, it's hard to get to this point, but we can get to the point where we're like, okay, um, I realize now that my kid is pushing my buttons. Normally, I would just react mm-hmm. to them, but now I'm aware of it, so I'm going to choose how I respond. And part of that is is being being able to be patient and gentle with ourselves and whoever we're with. So we're saying, okay, our kid's not pushing our buttons because they're you know a bad person. They're maybe no, being kids, right? Or they're maybe stressed, or maybe there's something they're going through that we we can then have that empathy for them, and then instead of reacting um, in the way we might normally, where we're mad back, we can say, okay, like how do we actually change the situation? And then maybe the kid just needs a little extra attention or a little five minutes of you know snuggles or humor or whatever else, and then we can go back into that difficult situation. So awareness is a really big key um, to we have to have that awareness before we can make any changes. Um, you know, we're talking with Sarah Morphew. Sarah is a specialist and a coach in uh, reducing stress, finding inner peace, things like this. And uh, my thinking is everybody can use this anyway. But I think in the last six, eight months, whatever, there's been so much stress from so many different directions. This is always valuable. This is Steve Green. This is the May 3 Podcast and Education Live Thursday. Super exciting. There's going to be another one tonight. This is a rare double opportunity to get involved in this stuff. There's a lot going on. There really is. Um, if you have any questions for Sarah or for me or for anybody, I guess, you can drop them in the comments and, and we can try to get to them. Um, is there such a thing as like the family that tries to de-stress together is happier? Like, like, is it good enough if let's say you got a mother at home with the kids and she's just getting to her wits end and she said, I just need five minutes kids. And she goes in the bedroom or whatever and meditates or breathing exercise and then come back in and she's right in the same environment. Mm-hmm. So is there a value? I got to think there is, but how could you kind of bring everybody into this where everybody just says, like, let's just reset or whatever. Is this something that you coach people on or you, you could? 
Yes. Yeah, so I think <clears throat> I think the the mom in the family is a really great place to start because I think she has a lot of interaction with the kids. And uh, you know, as we know, kids model us and what we do. So when we're reacting or acting in healthy ways or modeling healthy behavior, then that has a big effect whether we're actually che- teaching it or not. And of course, I'm in a family where my husband does not want to meditate. My son is seven. He does not want to meditate, of course. <laughs> but um, there are like fun games and things you can do with kids, it depends on the age of the kids. So, and it depends on the person themselves. So some people are going to be really interested in it. Some people are going to not be for whatever reason, but my husband, I think is naturally um, able to really come and be in the present moment where I'm a lot in my head. So I think it depends on the person a little bit, but my son, for example, um, I can tell that these techniques make a big difference for him, but for him, for example, I'm not going to have him sit and, and, breathe with me. Um, it's a little hard for him. I think at seven, if he was older, that would maybe would be easier, but there's one where you like have him lay down on the floor and you put a stuffed animal on his belly. And then he watches a stuffed animal, like move up and down while he breathes. And he really likes that. He gets his little, he, and it's like a rest. Do you know what I mean? It's within the busy school day. Cause he's doing virtual school at home with me right now in the busy school day. He's taking that minute, even if it's one minute or two minutes or however long he'll stay there. And you can tell that he's kind of rested afterwards. And there are fun games you can play. You know, there are, you can, there are so many things available as far as like books for kids and mindfulness and things like that. So, um, there are easy, fun ways you can get little kids involved where they don't really know what they're, you know, doing, but they're still doing that. And anybody can learn to take a breath or can learn to count their breaths when they're upset and things like that. So you kind of have to cater to the person. But um, I think I think the mom makes a really big difference or the dad, like anybody who's interested can bring that back to their family and kind of model that. And when they're in a less stressful state, everybody's going to feel it. So somebody has to take the lead, I guess, is basically what you're saying. Um, I I would think there's an accumulating effect here. I think if you do this once, uh-huh. you're going to get a benefit. I mean, even just like this, it's like, this feels nice. It sort of just breaks the pattern. Um, but do you find that people who do this habitually and, you know, are just in a, a more relaxed state generally or, or are less affected by stressors on the outside? Is there an accumulating or compounding sort of effect here? Yes. And um, studies actually have shown that, when experienced meditators, so people have practiced um, a lot, um, th- it actually changes their base state. So they're having the same benefits of meditation, even when they're just in a restful state, but not actually meditating. So mm-hmm. yes, it does. And, and for example, if you just now think about throughout your week, if you every once in a while, you think to yourself, oh, I should straighten my spine and you straighten your spine. You know, it's not like you're doing it. You have to, oh, never, I'm never going to have an unstraight spine again. I'm never going to have stress again. But it's like, if you can remember throughout your day. So the breath can be a great anchor. So it's like bringing our attention. So when we think, oh, I need to, I'm getting a little stressed. I'm going to take that break. Then you can say, okay, well, what am I going to do? Okay, I'm just going to take a breath. So it's like once you have some techniques, you just have them. So whenever you remember them, you can use them. And then also the more you're practicing on your own, then the more it, it just becomes like a, a a state of being that you're used to, that's kind of in your nervous system, that's in your body. Because that's the thing with stress. It gets to be kind of part of who we are. You know, it, it's kind of like, I don't want to use the word addictive, but like addictive or habit forming. It's like, we're in this state, we're in this state, we're in this state. So we don't necessarily think 
we don't like over, we don't really think about it. It just becomes kind of normal. So if we can mm -hmm. change these other states or add these other states, like extreme gratitude or extreme joy or that present moment feeling, the more we practice them, then the more it's easier to incorporate them into our lives. And then the more we're feeling more of that. And we're still going to, you know, no matter how great we are, we're still in the world. Something's still going to affect us and throw us off. And maybe we're still going to get thrown off for even days or whatever else. But then we'll be aware of it. And we're gentle with us through the process. And then we come back to that peaceful. Mm -hmm. It's, I, I, you know, I find in, in educate in the academics, often uh, kids procrastinate doing their homework, right? It's certainly nothing new. It probably happened back in Greece. And then the parents say, well, they always do this. It's normal for them to take an hour to start doing their homework. But sometimes uh, the common practice isn't necessarily the best practice, right? And just because you get used to it doesn't necessarily, and you accept it because it's easier or whatever, doesn't necessarily mean it's the best thing. And then sometimes breaking even a bad habit is challenging. So sometimes the I find in academic, and I think in life, the act of trying to break a bad habit, even though you know the bad habit is suboptimal, is almost more stressful than just keeping the bad habit. So you, I think this is what you were saying in a way, is you learn to live with uh, something you're not 100% happy with because you don't want the alternative of dealing with changing it. And I, I, I get, I hear this, you know, parents like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm tired of arguing with my kid. I just, it's, it's their problem. You know, eventually they'll figure it out or, um, you know, eventually they'll figure it out. Um, let me, let me, let me ask you a couple of questions from, uh, I, I think intuitively this stuff makes a lot of sense. I don't think anybody's going to argue that relaxing and breathing isn't good for you. Uh, there is a lot of science that backs this up and there's a lot of medicine that uh, medical research maybe that backs this up. You want to talk about that at all? You know, uh, you know, or what maybe medical, because some people say, well, my doctor doesn't tell me to do it. I'm not going to do it. And I'm, I'm, I'm not questioning that. I'm just saying, but this isn't something that is just about a feel good. Hey, let's meditate kind of thing, right? There's science that supports this. So is there anything you want to talk about specifically with that, 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 you know, that you might want to cite a little bit? Just briefly. So, um, so the American Heart Association did uh, med meditation related studies and they, sh they found that there are many heart related benefits um, such as lower stress, reduced anxiety and depression, better sleep quality, greater well-being. So the reasoning is because, we, we know what stress can do to our body. Okay. Mm -hmm. Stress can have all kinds of effects on our body. So when we are tr limiting any amount of stress in our lives, especially um, it, the more we can do, the better, obviously, obviously that's going to have a, a benefit on us. Um, so anxiety and depression is often caused by ruminating thought. So we basically overthink, overthink, well, what if I said this? Well, what if this? So we just go and go and go and go and go. And we kind of do that a lot and like throughout a lot of our day. So that's one of the things that meditation helps with and mindfulness helps with is being present um, in the moment. So we aren't maybe focusing on our breath or we are focusing on our breath or something instead of allowing our mind to just keep going and going and going. Um, and then because we're stopping that my that constant mind which is usually not healthy um we're not usually thinking of like healthy things so that helps us be have less anxiety and um 
stress. And also studies have shown that wandering mind is not a happy mind. So even if we're thinking of things that we think are good, like daydreaming about something happy, we're actually still happier in the present moment. So even just like the act of doing homework with our kids or the act of washing the dishes or something that we think is so mundane, when we're really present with it, it's actually can be just a beautiful experience of being alive in this moment. So that's part of the, the thing about mindfulness, too, that I think is so powerful is there's so many moments that we miss in our lives, so many beautiful moments with our kids or otherwise that we're just busy. We have to do the next thing. We have to make the dinner. We're, we just got home from work. We're all stressed. Yeah, there's, so many electric bill or whatever, exactly. right? there's always so many things. And so we're just kind of distracted. So if we can be present with you know our kids, especially, it's just such a beautiful experience to notice little things and to really enjoy mm -hmm. these little moments that are so easy to pass. Sarah Mayhew, guest on Education Live Thursday today. I'm Steve Green. Uh, we are back here 8 o'clock tonight. This is a rare double bonus Thursday. I'm feeling more I'm feeling more relaxed. I hope everybody else is as well. Sarah, what's got you into this? Did you have some epiphany where one day you just, I don't know, the, something opened up and you said, this is what I want to do with my life? Or was it something just always were drawn to? Hey, do you want to tell a little background on how you got into it? I think it was something that I was always a little bit drawn to. I think like my childhood was a, a little bit rocky in some ways. And so I felt like I, I never felt like that, like really peace and happiness or whatever. So I, I always thought that, you know, as a teenager, even I was like, if I could just, can I just be happy? <laughs> like maybe I could just be happy. And I didn't really know what that even looked like. I didn't really know if that was like possible, but so just throughout, I think meditation can do a lot as far as, um, I think the biggest point, like I said before, is you're not, your happiness isn't dependent on anything external. Um, so if you can learn how to feel happiness, then you can always learn how to feel happiness. And we also are human. We're going to have so many difficult emotions in our life and we have to accept those too and love ourselves through them. And, um, mm -hmm. and one story of mindfulness that I love, I think it was like a monk who is like, I have anxiety. I can't, I, you know, this is a problem. And his teacher was like, yeah, but use the anxiety. Like you can't just take the anxiety away. Like use that as a tool to like, just breathe through it. Like it's going to be there. You just breathe. Well, it's through about it. acceptance sort of thing. About acceptance a lot too. Yeah. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Wow. Where do you see this going? I mean, you, you think, um, uh, the people are, are, are adopting what you're doing? I mean, is it something that you have to convince people to do or is it more just people are drawn to this? What are you finding out there sort of in the general public, so to speak? So I think it depends on where we're located. I think in the general right. public, like on the online world and stuff, I'm seeing it as really, really trendy. Like there are Netflix shows about meditation. There are like apps mm -hmm. about it. It's even in my iPhone, like comes with my iPhone. Like, so it's right. like, it is really trendy. And, um, I think it's all about finding what works for you. So for some people, an app's going to be great. For some people, maybe they want to learn a specific type of meditation. So it depends on, on who you are and what you want to do. But I'm also in a small town in the Midwest, so I don't think it's as, as popular attorney here. So I'm doing it with school district districts, mm -hmm. which is good because people are starting to see the 
um, like research around it and starting to kind of accept it more. So I'll have people, I'll have a lot of people who have never experienced it in any way and don't know what it is and probably think it's weird or have these different, you know, people can think meditation is so many different things. Um, but it's really, uh, I love the definition um, that meditation is a, a family of techniques that allow us to focus our attention, basically. Just focus our attention without that ruminating discursive thought, without judgment, without overanalyzing anything, just focusing our attention. So it's really simple. And I think I think that it is being uh, more and more accepted. Mm-hmm. Talk about the work you do in schools. So you go into, I mean, I don't know if anybody's going into schools much now, but do you go, you would normally go into a school and work with a class of children, or is it, uh, you would say teach the teachers and then they would, secondarily apply the techniques? How does this work? A lot of what I have done is teaching staff and giving them tools like for themselves as mm-hmm. a kind of self-care for themselves and so that they can show up better and so that they can use these techniques in the classroom. And then I do give some um, um, stuff that they can use in the classroom as well with their with their students. Okay. So it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. So it goes back to, to the sort of classic, you can't take care of others unless you can take care of yourself. First and you sort of thing. Teach others unless you you have experienced it. I think you know too often. Yeah, right, right. We well, have to believe in it. I think part of the belief comes from a self um, a, a self experience. Interesting. Um, do you have anything going on you want to share with the uh, the listeners? Do you have a workshop? You have a class? I mean, is there anything people might be able to take advantage of if they wanted to work with you or something? So I'm um, working on my website right now, and I I want to put, you know, I have some and I'm putting free tools basically on there. So anybody can use them. And then also I do work with people one-to-one usually, and then we can do either like eight weeks or six months and go kind of deep. We do a lot more than just mindfulness and meditation. It has to do with, you know, how to process feelings in a healthy way, how to, um, create the feelings we want to create, getting clear on what we actually want. A lot of times we're just kind of going through life, but we don't really know what we even want or who we even want to be. And then of course I work with school districts or organizations, businesses, anybody else, caregivers in particular, just because I feel like they really need it right now. They're doing so much and we really need this. So um, I do things for free. I do things for groups, like they hire me and then I teach the entire group usually on Zoom. And then I also work with people one-to-one. Hmm. Is the website ready to go or is that still under construction? Yeah, it's up and it's going, but I'm still making changes to it. So it's a work in progress. Yeah. Well, we can put the, uh, we can put the website in the chat and then the comments and hopefully people will take advantage of that. We're going to wrap it up in a couple minutes, but uh, anything, um, yeah, anything else you want to talk about? Anything new and exciting in your life or meditation world? I mean, meditation has been around for thousands of years, but it is definitely, you know, in the Western world, I guess, uh, you know, I was in Japan for a long time at one point and uh, you would commonly see people just in the middle of busy streets. I mean, they have, uh, they, I, I think there's like 11,000 shrines and temples in Japan. Mm-hmm. It's not a very religious country. It's very interesting. They're mostly Buddhists or, um, oh, I forget the other, Shinto, Shinto, maybe saying it wrong. Um, but anyway, the, both the religions are, are sort of um, non Theist. So it's, it's more of like an internal thing. They don't really have like a God in a Christian, Judeo-Christian sort of sense. Anyway, but they'll have shrines everywhere. I mean, you're walking down the street, there'll be like 
traffic going and a, a little thing and no light incense. I'll just stand there. I mean, it's, it, you think how does this person get any kind of calm and, and just the, they brought up, you know, they raised this way um, and they're used to it. And they have some of the fancy temples and shrines are really, really elaborate. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll see hundreds of people sitting there and, uh, you know, doing whatever their, their equivalent of prayer is, I guess I use that word. Um, so I think some of this is cultural, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not hundred percent. Some of it's individual, some of it's family, you know, you're not being a meditator, you know, you get that sometimes when people are, you know, you know I didn't do this when I was growing up. Why would you, mm-hmm. um, hmm. uh, let, let's do this to close it out. What, 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 if you could give one or maybe even two, I'll give you two, but one big suggestion to people. Something they could just very simple. We start a little breathing exercise, a little spine straightening. Uh, if there's one thing people would just carry with them coming out of this conversation, maybe just make their day better, their week better. What what would you suggest? I mean, you probably got a lot of things, but uh, can you think of one? Yeah, just think about simplicity and ease. So if we try to change a bunch of things or change something big and dramatic, um, it's going to be difficult to do and it makes it easier for us to be harder on our, on ourselves when we don't do it perfectly. So I would say pick one thing um, that's really easy. So my suggestions would be just to make it easy, like take a full breath or, or sit for several minutes and just breathe quietly. Um, I have a meditation that's five minutes on my website that anybody can have. And you just sit quietly and breathe for five minutes. So Hmm. taking a breath, thinking or, or saying something you're grateful for, or just, I would say pick one of those two things and just do it every day at any time you feel like it. So in the morning, I'm going to take a breath every morning and, oh, I forgot this morning, but now I remember it. So I'm going to do it now. Do you know what I mean? Something really small because, and then, and then maybe we can remember 10 times throughout our day to take that breath. And so the breath is that anchor to come back to the present moment. So that would be something that would be really easy to just try to be gentle with yourselves and do something, one little thing as often with you as you can. So listen, it does not have to be complicated, right? It can be very yeah. simple. Maybe simple is even more powerful than complicated in a sort of convoluted paradoxical sort of way, but that's what a lot of this stuff is. You got to slow down to be able to get everything in. Sarah Morphew, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking time to come on. Uh, I want to wish you luck with your new website. Definitely share it. Let us know what's going on. Um, Tonight, Katie K. May, guest on Education Life Thursday. She is no stranger to the show. She's been on. She's been on the podcast. She was a, a featured speaker at the Back to School Virtual Summit. Her thing is helping teenagers cope in today's crazy world. Uh, she runs a couple centers where people meet live and build this up. She's also, of course, like everybody else, had to take her message online. I think if you're a teenager or you got a parent with a teenager and you know that's a little crazy, I've been there. I've been there twice. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you probably want to catch Katie. So that is it for today. Everybody can go back to lunch or back to your morning, whatever you're doing. Remember, take a deep breath. Let's end with a deep breath. Sarah, take us through a 30-second breathing exercise, and then we are going to roll it out here. Let me see if I got some sort of meditation music here. I think I do somewhere. Hey, let's see. How's this sound? Oh. <laughs> okay, so just straighten your spine. Put your feet flat on the floor if you can. And just close your eyes or keep them half closed, just looking at a spot a little bit ahead of you. 
straighten your spine, relax your shoulders, relax your face, and just take a deep breath, fully aware. Simple. Perfect. <laughs> there we go. All right. I'm feeling relaxed. I'm going to try to stay this way the rest of the day. Thanks again. I'll see everybody later tonight. Sarah, thank you. And see everybody later. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. For more resources and support, please visit makethegrade.net.